Hello, I'm Nicole Clark, speech language pathologist and vice president of compliance education for Health Power Heritage. You're listening to the Compliance Connection podcast, your connection to information and strategies that will help you, the clinician, keep up with industry guidelines and requirements. The word compliance often comes with some level of anxiety. We're here to ease that anxiety by providing you with information about all aspects of your clinical practice that will help you provide the best possible service to your patients. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to today's episode, one of the two-part series that will focus on documenting prior level of function and writing patient-centered goals. In this series, Tara Schuth, DPT, Director of Operations for Iowa and Nebraska, and Brandon Welsh, PT, and Director of Operations for St. Louis, discuss several key points about documenting prior level of function. They will review how Medicare defines prior level of function and how that might differ from patient to patient. They'll talk about what is and what is not a prior level of function when you are assessing your patient and how to identify a realistic prior level of function when there may be some unrealistic expectations from your patient. They will discuss what the term independent might look like for your specific patient. And finally, how to document homebound status to support the skilled needs based on the prior level of function identified. Don't forget to head over to our Facebook page, Documentation Success, where you will get access to our documentation tools for all settings, answers to your burning documentation questions, and let us know what you'd like to hear more about on Health Pro Heritage's Compliance Connection. So we wanted to welcome everybody to this Prior Level of Function podcast um, in hopes to bring some education and clarity um, to what is prior level of function. Um, Brandon, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Brandon Welsh. I am an OT by trade. I am the director of operations for our Triple H market in St. Louis. Awesome. And um, I'm Tara Sheath. I'm a PT by trade, and I am director of operations for Iowa and Nebraska with our Triple H division. So, um, First off, um, what is prior level of function? Do you want to speak to that, Brandon, or do you want me to? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever we're talking about prior level of function and whatnot, we we want to be able to uh, take the definition of where that patient was or how they were functioning prior to the most recent uh, exacerbation or onset of symptoms or onset or, or of uh whatever the reason is we're seeing that for home health services. And so what was that person's best ability to function in regards to ambulation? Was that with or without a device? During um, completion of ADLs, were they completing them uh, independently with some type of assistance, um, anything like that? And so we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, basically what was that person's best ability to be able to complete those tasks uh, each and every day? Um, a, a good uh, thing to kind of keep in mind is also like what amount of time are we trying to figure out when that person was be able was able to complete those tasks at that function mm-hmm. as well. And so prior to this the reason that we're seeing this patient for home health services, um, you know, how much how much time are we looking at? So are, are you know, depending on, you know, if the patient was in the hospital for a month two months, three months, and then they uh, were discharged to a skilled nursing facility or an inpatient rehab or something like that. Like how much time are we allowing for us to figure out 
prior level of function we're actually talking about and whatnot. So uh, when we're we're thinking about this, uh, we're we're looking at, you know, what does Medicare say, or we're trying to figure out what is it, what is that time that is most appropriate? And so Medicare tip literally just says that whenever we're indicating a prior level function that we're limited to a quote unquote reasonable amount of time. So it's not very just spot on, right? It's not not specific. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) Thanks, Medicare. So it's not not telling us anything, but it's but what they're telling us to do is obviously just just use your clinical judgment, right? So Mm -hmm. if we're um, looking back, you know, five, six, seven months ago, it's probably not the most appropriate amount of time that that we're looking at or trying to figure out what that prior level of function is. So um, if we're going back seven, eight months and trying and and saying, hey, that's what their prior level of function was um, for somebody that, you know, maybe they were in a motor vehicle, motor vehicle accident or something like that eight weeks or eight months ago. And pro- and then since then, they've been through multiple hospitalizations due to whatever reasons. And then they went to inpatient right. rehab and they were there for a while. Then they went to a skilled nursing facility for a while. Like, we don't want to go all the way back that far, but maybe we can kind of take what was their best prior level of function or what was their best level of function at that skilled nursing facility, right? Because now they're home. So maybe yeah. we can maybe we can think about that because I mean goodness all kinds of things could have changed since then right the patient could have um, you know maybe had an amputation uh, or a double amputation you know something like that depending on what was going on or whatever to, uh, uh, other type of exacerbation could have happened to literally anything that maybe we're not able to get to that prior level of function that was eight months ago so yeah, yeah that's, that's and- kind of what I was thinking. And one other, you know, thing they said too is, you know, associating, you know, where they're at, looking at where they've been as far as, um, you know, that reasonable prior level of function and associating that with their long-term goals. So like you said, you know, with this example, if they had a motor vehicle accident and then later had an amputation, you know, you know, what is a realistic long-term goal? So kind of keeping that in line or keeping that in mind and, um, making sure if that long-term goal is not aligning with that, you know, prior level of function, we need to clarify, like, why not? Or, right. you know, potentially, you know, one patient might be a candidate for a prosthetic down the road and yes, be able to go, you know, walk again and be active if they're younger or, you know, more active prior, or, you know, if it was somebody that was pretty sedentary prior that had an accident and had an amputation and they're not going to be a candidate prof- for a prosthetic, you know, um, all of those factors come into play. So that prior yeah. level of function should definitely create an expectation of improvement, you know, towards those deficits um, addressed in, um, you know, PT and OT and, and then relating that to that uh, plan of care. Um, yeah. And then, you know, kind of like you've already outlined too, creating that context and different facts or circumstances that surround that patient's particular situation. Because, everybody's going to be different. And um, again, you know, really looking at that time frame is being significant because, you know, they, they might've had, you know, a year of really, you know, poor health and, you know, they maybe they've got that underlying cause resolved. And so, you know, that particular patient, it, it might be reasonable to get them back to where they were a year ago, but then there might be some patients where, you know, they've gone through so much that we're thinking, okay, it's reasonable to get you back to where you were a month ago when you moved into assisted living. So 
Um, exactly. It, it takes a little detective work um, for sure. And, yeah. uh, and usually, you know, we're relying on that patient's report. Sometimes we're able to pull in from other sources and, you know, assistance levels from caregivers and that kind of stuff too, to help us paint a realistic picture. But um, if you could kind of uh, speak to like, what is not a prior level of function and kind of, you know, paint that picture as well, I think that would be really important. Yeah, absolutely. So with that prior level function, like obviously defining what it is, is super important and kind of like we're touching on like part of it is that self-report, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's that it's the patient telling us, you know, this is uh, where I was and this is how we're, how, you know, where I want to get back to, or, you know, something like that. We're taking that self-report. And like we said, our best clinical judgment in order to define what that specific patient's uh, problem function is, or what, it, you know, what it was or something like that and kind of go from there. And so, taking that information that we're getting subjectively from the patient, we're then able to document, you know, this is what I'm going to try to just uh, kind of spearhead or kind of point um, our, our um, overall plan of care interventions, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff to help us get back to where that was. And so that is exactly what we have to document towards. And so whenever Medicare looks at our documentation in regards to that prior level function, kind of what we're going into now is what is prior level function? Like, what is it not, you know, type of thing? Because there are so many reasons that come up for uh, Medicare denial or Mm -hmm. insurance or something like that denial uh, that, you know, as clinicians, yes, one of our biggest jobs is just to build that rapport with the patient. So that way we know this is where you want to get back to. This is your goal. This is what we can kind of right. help you try to get to what's realistic and everything like that. And so whenever Medicare looks at it and they're like, and, and all they see in documentation wise is independent, you know? Right. Okay. Independent with what, or what, what, yeah. what are you talking about? Doesn't you know, so that, it doesn't say anything, right? It doesn't, yeah, exactly. No clear picture at all whatsoever. And so if literally all insurance sees or, uh, auditor C is just independent or um, maybe just independent with ADLs. Okay. So ADLs, that's just a blanket statement. Like how are they right. doing with getting dressed? How are they doing with, mm-hmm. you know, with everything specifically um, just because whenever we make goals, we make specific goals to each activity, just like ambulation on even and uneven ground, right? With or without a device, stairs, everything like that. We're making all of these goals that are very specific and client-centered. So in regards to that, we have to be able to correlate that back to those uh, different types of situations, those different types of activities in the prior level of function as well. So if if we're not providing, you know, just that overall just really good hey this is exactly how they were doing prior to this uh whatever is going on or whatnot then how how are we supposed to justify our goals based off of what the patient wants and what their needs are what the caregiver is needing our our patient to get to and everything like that so yeah 
And yeah, like you said, you know, Medicare's one of their top reasons for denial is just that missing documentation. So, you know, we have to make sure our our documentation is comprehensive and it supports, you know, their homebound status, clinical necessity, medical necessity to support that need for skilled therapy. So like you said, if it's very limited or generic, you know, that puts their whole chart at risk for review and possible denial. And so, you know, and it can also create that concern that there's not a realistic improvement to be made with that patient. And so, you know, like you said, you know, half of or more of what we're doing is that building that rapport with that patient and and working on their centered goals. But if we don't appropriately document, you know, these things, you know, we run the risk of insurance kicking us out. And then, you know, we end up not being able to help that patient. So like you said, too, being a little bit more specific so that it does address goals. Um, and, and too, you know, with an individual that was, you know, um, completely independent with everything, maybe they were working prior. I met a gal, um, yesterday and she was still working full time. Um, you know, so her definition of independent is very different from, you know, a lady I met earlier this week that was 90 and she was independent in her homes and, in, in her home and specifically to her, that meant like bathing, dressing, um, right. you know, light meal prep, but she had help with housework and, you know, she had somebody to transport her to uh, appointments and help her with the stairs and that kind of stuff. So really listening into that um, subjective information and clarifying and not making generic statements about that prior level of function is, is very important. Oh, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where do you, you know, when you go to see a patient, um, Brandon for eval, where do you typically, in addition to speaking to the patient, of course, is there any other place that you look, um, look for to find that prior level of function information? Yeah. So like you said, I mean, most of our, whenever we're doing our, our patient interviews and we're, we're kind of just getting that subjective information and whatnot, that's going to be really the best way we can get a lot of information for maybe most of our patients. Right. But if we have someone obviously cognitively impaired or due to whatever happened that they are now on home health services, their their answers aren't really you know like we we can tell or the caregivers telling us hey no that's not that's not right you know that's that's not yeah. right yeah uh, they're maybe they're kind of sugarcoating the situation and the caregivers like uh, no mom you actually needed quite a bit of assistance you know beforehand as well right um, and not really kind of telling us everything so if we are that start of care clinician SPTROTs speech whatever um, and. Our, and we kind of get that idea that I don't think I'm full entire picture here to kind of figure out what that prior level of function is, then we're taking it, you know, obviously case by case and patient by patient. We're trying to figure out, okay, does this patient have a caregiver? Does this patient, are they, are they in a facility that maybe the, the staff there at the facility kind of can right. tell us a little bit more, right? Um, is there a POA? that we can call and be like, hey, before mom was hospitalized, how is she doing with this kind of stuff? And what kind of things right. were you helping her helping her out on? So we're, we're asking all of the people that we can ask and looking for different, uh, you know, uh, different types of informative sources that we can help put into what that patient's prior level of function is. And obviously it can, it can take a little bit and a, 
you know, a few calls or something like that. And a few, uh, you know, like you, like you were talking about kind of that's investigating, right. uh, trying, trying to get into figure out what that is or whatnot. Cause no matter what we, we have to paint that overall picture. So that way we can, you know, decrease the, the amount of denials back from insurance because it's not a clear picture or whatever. So we got to kind of do a deep dive into these uh, specific patients sometimes and try to figure out exactly where, where all that information can be or something. Um, if we're not that start of care clinician, then maybe we can just jump in and read that start of care documentation that's already been completed. Maybe, you know, obviously like if a nurse is in there um, yeah. or something and a nurse does the start of care, maybe they've already done all that work for us. Right. And so maybe yeah. all of that stuff is done. And if their documentation is clear and precise enough, then we can just kind of dive in, dive into their documentation, read it, try to figure out what it is. And maybe if we have questions, we can reach out to the nurse. Or mm-hmm. if, if you're opening, maybe you've already done all the, that legwork and I can just look at your documentation, you know, type of stuff. Right. I mean, no matter, no matter what. With other disciplines and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. We, we should already be kind of looking at that, right? If we're not yeah. doing uh, that start of care ourselves, we our, our chart review and looking at what uh, problem function or anything else that's going on with that patient anyway. So that, that's where we should already find it. Or, yeah. And, and for us in our area, a lot of times we're um, operating in a different EMR than nursing. So typically, you know, um, we're jumping straight to that conversation with the nurse, you know, who did the start of care or, um, you know, as a PT, like I'll be calling up OT or sending them a message saying, hey, I saw so-and-so, um, you know, give me a call after you see them, you know, let's kind of coordinate and figure out you know, uh, what's going on together, what we're going to cover. And then sometimes too, you know, they may have received different answers or, um, you know, maybe that patient opened up, you know, or was more specific or felt more comfortable sharing different things with them. And so building that comprehensive, um, you know, plan together and, and, you know, in that prior level of function, you know, section, as far as the documentation goes, you know, I don't think, we're saying, you know, we have to construct like a novel, um, you know, or anything like that, but just, you know, being thorough, you know, being precise, you know, speaking to that reasonable time frame and, and trying to make that as concise as possible. And, um, and that kind of brings us into like what we're going to cover in the second part of our podcast. So this is a two part series. Um, and so the uh, next part of our podcast, we're going to walk through, Um, kind of an example of a a specific uh, group of patients, um, two different gentlemen who had similar injuries, but had uh, very different prior levels of function and talk with some field clinicians about different, um, you know, methods they use and um, kind of wrapping it all up and, you know, why, you know, why this is important, why it matters, you know, prevent that denial and, and ultimately make sure that these patients are getting the care they need. Sounds great to me. So, um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. But thank you uh, for joining for this part one of our two-part series. And I'm looking forward to, um, you know, doing that interview um, example next time, speaking with some field clinicians and uh, bringing it all together and, um, you know, really speaking to why this is important to us as clinicians and our patients. That absolutely sounds great. 
Well, thank you for your time. And I appreciate uh, all of the feedback and all of the uh, things that go into making this bra level function what it's supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Same to you. And hopefully this is helpful to uh, some of our staff out in the field and kind of clarifying things and being able to take care of our patients better. So all right, everybody have a great day. All right. Thanks. You guys too.